Here we go. We're firing it up again. We're getting the mics hot for another podcast from Italy. Good day to you. My name is Jason. Here is Ashley to my left. <laughs> Together, we do a little podcast called Podcast from Italy. Today's the 14th of January, a Monday morning. Breezy, blustery, but not that cold at all. No. In fact, for uh, the middle of January, we are lucking out. We have been spared by the winter weather that is seeming to blast northern Italy and the Alps and Austria to southern Italy or just two hours south of us in southern Marche to Abruzzo, Puglia, and Sicily. And they all have snow. Nothing on the ground here. Thank goodness. We have been spared in our little town of Piobico. We own a agriturismo called La Tavola Marche where we live a very beautiful tranquil life in the middle of nowhere in the foothills of the Apini. And um, yeah, it, we got this. So we got killed three years ago with something like this. Mm-hmm. And um, the weather in Europe's kind of going crazy right now. Um, to spare you boring weather stuff. No, we get totally into it. Um, hey, if any of you guys are into weather and weather in Europe, check out a site called Severe Weather Europe. Dot com, mm-hmm. I think, you know, we're yep. not having it's on fact. Facebook. It's Check it out on Facebook. We flagged it to go up to the top of the Facebook page. And there's gr- not only great photos of people who just submit, you know, great either uh, weather shots or like what the snow looks like at their house in the Alps or whatever, but also some really interesting weather charts. Yeah, just, just okay. trends <laughs> and you can follow yeah. patterns and what's going on. I'm a weather nerd. I really like looking No, but there's weather. a lot going on right now. I'm so- Uh, So right now, what's going on is there's this strange weather pattern going on up north, which is taking the Dret stream and changing it how it comes over Europe. And Austria and the Alps and um, northern Italy have gotten killed with snow, like meters at a time. And then also the weather has gone over Croatia all the way. It went east all the way to the Balkans and came straight down. And Greece got snow. Um, Puglia got snow. Sicily got snow. Crazy uh, amounts. Poor Sicily, you guys. Seriously. Yeah, Sicily, Sicily had terrible flooding in the uh, autumn. Then they had Etna erupt. And now they had snow come down. I hate to say it. They have been bitch slapped by Mother. Yeah, Mother Nature. <laughs> sure, Mother sure Nature. like, I don't think so, Sicily. <laughs> it's, been, it's been rough. It's been rough. <laughs> so um we'll see but what it, it's been mild here for the most part. I mean, we were doing our burning of the um field not the fields, but the um kind of hills around the house to kind of cut back if you will, um burn back the brush and it's just been cold but mild. We got a couple of snowstorms. Uh-huh. It was it's still frozen in some parts of the fields that don't get the um don't get sun, but our weather has been mild compared to just two, like Ashley said at the top, uh, just a couple hours south of here. Mm-hmm. So, but we actually need water now. I know it's true, and I, but I wish we did have snow. I know we need it for the water, but it's also just so pretty because these are the dog days of winter. That it's like if we're going to be kind of home and overeating anyway, <laughs> there might as well be some snow falling. Well, the, these are the two, in my opinion, the two toughest months living down this down this lonely dirt road um, is January, February, because it's really just dark and cold and not a lot's going on. We're the waiting. road's icy. Yeah, we're waiting for, um, what's it called? Um, the next holiday. Um, hello. Carnival. Carnival to, mm-hmm. Carnival to come along. Um, but it's there's not a lot going on in Italy. No, and that's why this time of year we tend to talk about the same thing. So it's the sausage and salami makings and... 
we're trying to ditch Gaji through part of it, to be honest. No one tell him, okay? But it turns into a to-do. It turns into a whole freaking thing. You've seen the videos for the diehard listeners or video watchers. Um, every year, it's the same arguments. And he makes it, he's slowly, he's got, not glaucoma, cataracts? Cataracts. He didn't want to get his cataracts, surgery on his cataracts because it was hunting season. <laughs> but he can't see anything. No. And a perfect example was the capletti we made. The sizing was all off. So it was like, let's just do the sausages ourselves. And then we'll do the salamis with him. So we're trying to figure out um, a day to get it in when he's not around. But, I know that's terrible, but it will go so much faster. It'll be a lot more enjoyable. <laughs> this year, we're not going down to do it with Vittorio. Vittorio's in his mid-80s now. And um, we'll go down and probably say, we, we've been going down and doing the salamis with Vittorio, Gaji's friend, um, who lives on the coast years. for 10 years now. So. Um, I don't want him to have to do it anymore. And um, oh, he likes it. I know he likes he li- it. That's what God said. Oh, he likes standing there and doing fifty kilos of salami and then with cleaning you. up after and then us. Cleaning up. No, so we'll just go down and um, take lunch. You know, we'll make some kind of lunch and go down and just visit because we've done it every winter. Mm-hmm. Um, but not not to ditch him, but just. <laughs> Just to speed the process up a, a little bit. I know. Uh, just a little bit because it's I, – I enjoy doing it, but it's like we've – for having – for being so quiet, we've got a lot of dumb running around to do. Oh, Jason does it so much faster when he's doing it with guests in a cooking class mm. than when he's doing it with Gachi. Well, he likes when to – they both know what to do. He likes to, to like make the whole day out of it and I just wanted <laughs> to take the three or four hours. But it's really important that we get it done and we do it every – Every year, usually after New Year's, after Bafana, um, because we cure them naturally in one of the apartments and we open up. Uh, we have a northern-facing window in the, one of the apartments and a southern-facing window, so we get a good cross breeze. Um, and this is the time of year to do it because if we, the salamis especially can take up to 12 weeks, 12, 14 weeks. And if we wait too much longer, it can get too far into March, and mm-hmm. then it can get warm. So we want it nice, cool air. Not Can't do it too oh, – we couldn't do it um, – at the end of December because it's hard to get the meat because everyone goes on vacation or goes on holiday. Um, We're getting it from small, small farmers who don't really work between Christmas and New Year's. Not to mention the freeze came through and it's, if it's too cold, it's a, it's one of those things. Too cold, no good. Too warm, no good. We have to have it just right. So a little bit of Goldilocks with our sausage. It's a little bit of roll of the dice. Uh, so we'll be doing that this week, but yeah, um, we we'll usually do about 50 to 75 kilos of salami and the same amount of sausages. And I want to all to cure and dry and put up for using during the, uh, during the season, but I want to reduce that number a little bit and I want to reduce, uh, maybe I'll do, like you said, the salon, the sausages, sausages, yeah. sense a godster. Sense a godster. Yes. Um, also we're preparing for next year by doing kind of our annual or um, every so many years, a water soil analysis to check out what's going on. How are the nutrients? Uh, well, the water we get done, we, we have it, we're on a sorgente, a natural spring. So every year we get the water analyzed, but I don't do the soil for the garden. Every, I don't do that every year. I do it every two years. So um, it's that time. Of, it's one of the, it's great time of year to do it because we got, it's a lot of running around. You got to go get the, 
the kit from the lab and then get your sample and then bring it back to the lab. And of course this is, this is Italy. So nothing's done electronically. You couldn't imagine that they would email you the results. You have to pick them up because they're certified. So it has a stamp on it. Well, and we have to pick up the um, kit because we, our postal system and our road in the winter is a mess. So it's like, all right, this will save us three months of (laughs) waiting for a package. So let's just go pick it up. And We've learned our lessons before. So we go and we know what to ask for. Can we get the um, packet for X, Y, and Z? She tosses us um, two of the like medically, hermetically sealed um, packages for the water samples and then says – and uh, then tosses us the third, which is – uh, almost, you might as well call it like a spent Coke bottle. <laughs> it was a used container that was both dirty on the inside and out. And she was like, yeah, that'll work too. And it was like, wait, how is this possible? Why are we able to, two of the three are correct. And the third one, eh, it'll do. Uh, yeah, it was, it was kind of funny. The, I think the, it was also right before lunch and she wanted to get the hell out of there. And those were well, the, the only thing I can think of is two need to be sterile and one doesn't matter. There must be one because it, it was wet on the inside. Like yeah. I, I was walking back to the car with this thing in my hand and like it's I opened it up and it's it's wet on the inside. Uh, slightly used. <laughs> slightly, uh, yeah, used. So but it's just hysterical. Even in a place where you would think that everything needs to be controlled yeah, and scientific. This is the lab. This is the uh, yeah, she's like oh, yeah. go for it. So we have to run that back down and we have to take soil samples from our garden, which means taking like a biopsy almost in different points. Um, and we want to get down where the roots of the plants are. So we want to go down like 30, 35 centimeters. And um, you, uh, I scrape back the little bit of the topsoil and then stick like a uh, bamboo hollow pole in it. And this gets like a section all the way through and you get this in six or eight as many as you want points and then mix up all the soil so we really get kind of a average of what's going on and what i want to know is the ph of my soil the um the three main components so i want to know the phosphorus i want to know the um oh and npk nitrogen phosphorus and potassium potassium thank you um, pH and then micronutrients. So we know we have high calcium because we have we we, live, we have all this sulfur water and and uh, calcium rich like. Oh, there's our- calcium all over everything. Yeah. I have no idea what's going on inside of our bodies. <laughs> <laughs> like oh our bones are strong. <laughs> Very strong. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to, I just want to check that out and see if we if um, the. Uh, manure that we're throwing in is enough to replace what we're taking out with the vegetables. Oh, we real them. exciting Real, stuff. real interesting <laughs> stuff. So we'll let you know. Well, let's move on to some of the hot topics really going on here in Italy this winter and throughout Europe. Um, obviously, we've got Brexit. There's... Um, Manovera. Oh, my God. Listen, the news, it's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, <you're>, <laughs> there's just a bunch of junk going on in Europe right now. So we, we as always, we will never... We Whenever will, we talk to Fat Zach, he has no idea, though. No, it's, it's uh, amazing. In- <laughs> but um, we'll never discuss uh, politics or any of that because we don't really understand it and we don't really care to be quite honest to talk about it on something like this but the Italians love to talk about it and we were at the Bafana Festival for Epiphany in our neighboring town of Urbania um, on the 6th mm-hmm. or the 5th 5th or 6th whatever it was and of course um, the subject of Italian politics comes up and we're curious so we like to ask a lot of questions because we watch the news daily but 
don't really understand. After, <laughs> still after 10 years, we don't, I don't really – it's a lot of talking and a not a lot of action going yeah. on. So uh, we, we ask people all the time because if you ask God, you get one very um, – polarizing opinion <laughs> of what's going on in Italy. So it's good to good to branch out. Branch out. But the funny thing that came out of this conversation was not um their opinion but um the different levels of bullshit in Italian. So th- basically we realize we are not um educated enough um to, to speak on Italian politics, but instead, I know, but instead we will speak on the severity of Italian bullshit. One thing, <laughs> one thing we realized is we've learned our Italian all over the years here, out here in the countryside, and we don't have a good filter for the appropriate words in different settings. Correct. Right? Um, we just kind of mix them all up because to us, these words don't have the significance to our ear or mind that... No, a and native speaker would have correct. still. And it's a bit still of that mimicry. You hear it, um, you know, when Godji's telling a story or another farmer saying something about the broken tractor in the field and you mimic what you've heard and you tell that story then in a place that you find later is highly inappropriate. Or you find some <laughs> words funny and you use those because they sound funny to you. Uh-huh. And of course, we're not intelligent enough to go and see if we should use these because that would be forethought. We no, not that. at all. Um, but, um, it was really funny and they were really excited to talk about this. So we'll, we'll, let's talk about the four levels of bullshit in Italy. Three, really. Well, let's, first of all, these are three examples of kind of a light, medium to crude. Um, obviously these are three, um, choice words that are more in our vocabulary. We hear around our area more, this will vary throughout Italy greatly. So I'm sure you can um, send us your favorite <laughs> versions of ways to say bullshit. All right. So the first one, first first category, the most mildest, is the way you could say bullshit in an uh, office setting mm-hmm. or with um, people that a polite you, a bullshit. polite way. So uh, one one example is a stupidaggine. A stupidaggine. So this is um, you know something that's more of a silly something foolish or nonsense, if you will. Um, some other synonyms you can use is nonsenso, assurdo, absurd, nonsense. Um, this is a new one that we I didn't know the. Uh, Shiokezza. 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 I don't know. Use that one. Um, very my much. favorite was that this one. I might be using it more because the translation for this was poppycock. <laughs> I'd like to pepper in poppycock more. Shiokezza. Okay, so that that's the most mildest form. Yeah. So you, you could say this in front of children. Oh, what a stupidagine. The next, we're going to step it up a little. This is go- one of Gaji's. This is a oh, Gaji favorite this, right here. Yeah, this is one of his. This like, this is her daily <laughs> in our kitchen. <laughs> is a stronzate. Bullshit. Yeah, just, this is just straight across the board. Bullshit. Now, a stronzo is an asshole. Mm-hmm. So a stronzate is kind of. Bullshit. So this is, these go hand in hand. Very nice. But no, um, you can still say this in a off- with your colleagues or uh-huh. people you know. It wouldn't be that offensive to walk down the street and blah, 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 thrown out of blah, blah, blah. It's not that bad at all. No, but of course there's times where, and especially if we're talking politics and this is how this all came up, we're going to take it one more level. Jason, for the crudest. For the crudest and the most uh, slang, if you will, is a cagata. Now, the best way for me to explain a cagata <laughs> is my grandpa is from Oklahoma. A cagata is more of horse shit. 
Now you got to think of it because that's a little bit cruder than just, oh, no, that's bullshit. Horse shit. Now that, I don't know if horses shit stinks more than bulls, <laughs> but if for some reason when he said horse shit, that was a no shit kind of talk. He'd say bullshit, all bullshit. Da, 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 da. But if, if horse shit came out, if Kagata comes out, okay, well, we're what, taking it up a notch. Uh, Kagata is a little translation from what we were told because it's, it's just, it's all slangy, is, is cat shit, right? True. But a way the cat goes outside or so, I don't, there was this whole explanation. Same thing as a horse shit to me, but the thing that was the best when we were talking about these severities and these levels was the Kagata or for, in my mind, the horse shit. That's considered fact. That's how he explained it. And that is, that was a very serious point made at the table. Big eyes, like hand gestures and the wife, Vietnamese, (laughs) um, agreed, um, wholeheartedly yeah kagata is a a fact oh oh, that is fact (laughs) so now i'm sure there's a a better more eloquent way to explain explain oh absolutely but you won't find that on this podcast (laughs) so that was that was our funny little language thing for the week in the comments below be sure to leave your (laughs) favorites but um and this is all going on in a packed uh enoteca at a beautiful festival celebrating the epiphany yes for the holidays yes we're all dressed up yes it's just not the proper setting but of course we then had to come back and the next time we saw gaji had to reconfirm all of this which was hysterical he loves these kind of conversations so we wanted to share that with you and share that with your friends folks (laughs) speaking of a little bullshit um we sure enjoy a podcast bill burr and uh billy redface is a comedian from america from boston if you've seen f is for family he's the creator comedian um many great stand-ups and his monday morning podcast and old bill was coming to budapest and europe and we thought what the hell we were able to find cheap tickets and went to budapest for a few nights oh my god it was really cool though this is the farthest east we'd ever been well my brother likes to say we stay in the bubble and what's the bubble the bubble is western europe Mm -hmm. so it and it's true we do i like to stay in italy spain france uh we don't do germany oh we do southern germany a lot go through uh portugal (laughs) uh that kind of bubble so while this he considers this the outskirts of the bubble, mm-hmm. um, they have opened up a lot of flights with Wizz Air is a is one um, Euro Wings Euro Wings um, to the eastern not well not Eastern Europe but the eastern East Light East Light um, <laughs> so to uh, <laughs> well Eastern Europe but the um, Czech Republic we're, Slovakia um, Latvia um, Hungary Poland. Well, I was going to say that this is East Light because we're still in Europe. Uh, there's no problem going through cross borders or anything. But we got funny money. Oh yeah, they're not on the. They're not on. They're the on Euro. like Fortnite's Fortnite's. I have no idea. <laughs> it was like three hundred to one. So when you go and get something and it's like twelve hundred Fortnite's or whatever the heck it is. <laughs> like I said, not a lot of research goes. You guys were the most ignorant people. There. No, um, but before we had left, the confirmation for the hotel charge had come through, and Jason saw that it was like fifty thousand Fortnite's, and he was like, "What did you spend?" <laughs> and I was like, "No, no, no." But Budapest was beautiful. Hungary was great. Um, it was a really short. Okay, we didn't realize how short, how really close it is. It was under the forty-five minute yeah, direct from, flight from, from Bologna. Bologna. To- no, it was fifty-five. Okay, whatever an hour. Um, 
on Wiz Air. Didn't know. Uh, I saw we when when we were in Limoges, we would see Wiz Air, but that wasn't so much around here. Um, that I don't know if it's newer or, or what's going on. But no, but for folks out there listening, it's a legit airline. Oh, folks out there listening, <laughs> it's real. It's real. It's a legit airline. You don't have to sit next to chickens and farm no, animals. No. no. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> but I also had no idea that. Oh wait. Before we get too far, can we say what we saw um, at the airport before we left? We were delayed because of crazy snow in Eastern Europe that we were just talking about. But I've never seen this. Two Lamborghinis being loaded onto an Emirati's airplane like passengers. Like it wasn't... Yeah, it was underneath. just out in the front open. It was just crazy. They yeah, just the like... whole airport was watching them. <laughs> um, Emirati, Emirates, uh, Emiratis now does a once-a-day flight from Bologna all the way to, I don't know, Abu Dhabi uh-huh. or, or um, Dubai. Uh, Dubai, one mm-hmm. of the two. But it was um, really nuts. It's like, one was red and one was yellow. Was... And they were lifting them up and putting them into the belly. And we were just like, how? Oh, my gosh. This is crazy. How much did this cost? Anyway, it, that was wild. <laughs> Side note. So we finally get to Budapest. Um, FYI, went to private school my whole life. We've talked about this before. Jason makes fun of me and my geography. I had no idea that until I started to do a little research, Budapest is Buda and Pest. It's two. Oh, yeah. It's two cities. <laughs> cities. I didn't know that either. Separated by the Danube, which also I didn't realize was Europe's largest river. Um, but... So we stayed in the pest side. The river breaks it up. Obviously, we just call it Budapest. But um, we get there, stay on the um, pest side, go across the river and walk across the chain bridge and head up the Funivia to Castle the Hill. Yeah, the vernacular. But this one was really cool because it was a cable. Yeah, it just pulled you up. I thought it would be a clicky car. Uh-huh. You know, like click, 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 it's click, just, click. It's straight up a hill. And yeah. it's just straight up the side of a hill. Not like a... Um, Mountain. No. No. This was back in – this was a um, – in for the rich people who lived on top of the hill, if you were poor, you had to walk. Take your ass up the – take your ass up the stairs. <laughs> um, but if you were rich, you rode this car and it was it was this beautiful, gorgeous, three-tiered little – literally cable car that, that – Wooden um, – little wooden yeah, it cars. Was it was so sweet. The whole ride took a minute and a half. But <laughs> – it was really nice to, you know, it's more of a touristy thing Yeah, now. it was beautiful. It's just such a neat little view, and you get up to the top, and uh, then there's the big castle, and um, the whole kind of castle hill, which it is literally the old castle on a hill, and it's a whole neighborhood built within these castle walls. It's stunning. Almost like, not as grand, obviously, but it reminded me a lot of like Vatican City. Where yeah, it was Bravo. Like, that's a great example. It was like, it's the state and the church mm-hmm. and the little neighbor. It's kind of a neighborhood yes. and kind of, a, a, but it's not, you know yes. what I mean? Yeah. Great example. Um, so it was really fun and it had sense. snowed. And uh, so it was just very picturesque. We, um, When we were up on Castle Hill, definitely check out the Fisherman's Bastion. It looks very much like Hogwarts. I guess it was um, some of the examples they used for the design of it because of these great spires and points. And um, it was a wonderful city to explore. One of my favorite things we did, of course, besides going to the Oh, concert, the ice skating. We went ice skating. This was great. They take their boat pond in the their big park that's in the city and they freeze it think of like their central park boat pond it's a pond it's huge it's huge this is again another europe's largest this is europe's largest outdoor ice skating rink it's gigantic it's so big that they (laughs) they can have like a third of it um coned off for like all the little kids and all the morning like 
little kids skating, and it's still the biggest ice rink you've ever seen in your life. It's massive. I don't know how many people um, skate per day, but it it's it's packed, but you are not on top of everyone. There's, like Jason said, some zones that are coned off so you could kind of do some practice or warm up if you needed, and it was a blast. Um, so we went, to, we went down there and I was watching hockey skating videos on YouTube all week long preparing myself. Jason thought I, he would learn to skate via YouTube like he does <laughs> how to plumb and change things around the house. How'd it turn out for you, babe? Not so hot. <laughs> um, I hope you guys follow me on Instagram or uh, because I was posting some of the excellent videos of his not so Douglas Dorsey, uh, aka from the Cutting Edge. Uh, he didn't really have the skates under him, but by the end, well, yeah, yeah, it's I I really like ice skating. I, I haven't been ice skating since I was a little kid. No, I he tried to that. hijack a like seven year old class. I did. So there was like twenty little <laughs> kids, and they're all doing these really great simple drills, like two pushes. Then you do a little hop, and then you do a pie to, like, stop you. And then you let yourself spin around so you go the other direction. So you're now facing the other direction. I'm watching him for a little bit, and I go, that's really good, like... That would be good. So I just this kind is of my pace. Yeah. So they're on the other side of the cones. I'm on the you know the normal public side of the cones. I'm not in their group, but you know I went through a couple of different drills with them and fell a couple of times. And all the kids pointed and laughed. They at totally me. pointed and laughed. It was so hysterical. It was fun. I know. And I even saw the teacher come over, and I wasn't sure if she was asking you to leave or giving you technique pointers because it was really funny. Oh, she side eyed me. She side eyed me. Well, but it's also that thankfully this is uh, I'd be like this is Europe, but um, it, it's not. So creepy having a weird middle aged guy um, <laughs> joining the uh, middle aged, damn near, damn near, uh, try to join the children's class. <laughs> well, unfortunately, I'd love we don't live in an ice skating no. place. There's, I looked it up, the closest rink is in Amelia Romagna, so that's not going to happen. No, and um, it's not cold enough here to freeze, but I definitely want some hockey skates. It's fun. I took lessons when I was uh, a kid, and I still like to think I've got it. <laughs> it takes a while to warm up, but it is a blast. Gosh, and it kind of slightly snowed. It was just, it was a great, I can't recommend it enough. It's open all winter there. So if anyone of you guys are able to get out to Budapest during the winter, um, it's not just a Christmas market thing or a January thing. They have it, um, it's frozen all winter. It's a great winter city. So this was a quickie trip. We, it, was, it was supposed to be 48 hours. Um, get in, just kind of do the city center, go see this show, this com- go see the community. Billy, Billy red face. And, oh, which by the way, home. um, I gotta say we sat third row. I feel like I was a really good audience member. I was incredibly participatory. <laughs> there was 2000 people. There. <laughs> no. This is not a comedy club where no. it's like a smoky 45 people in the, in the audience. No, 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 no. This is a, this is a theater. I just felt really part of it. And I was excited to be there. I gotta say <laughs> we were listening to his podcast after the show and, uh, the day after the show or two days later, and they were saying that, um, Budapest was one of their favorite places they had been and excellent crowd. It felt very American crowd. And I beamed with pride in the car hearing that. Cause I felt like we were part of that. I thought <laughs> I'm a nerd. I'm a nerd. If you probably listen to the audio, you could probably hear Ashley's laugh above <laughs> everyone else. Sure. Oh 
my god. Anyway, um, uh, next time we go, because we'll be back, it's really easy for us to get there. Um, I want to not stay in the city. I want to get out of the city to the bend in the Danube. Yes. So I don't, I think it's under an hour, right? Probably. Um, there's literally the big bend in the river, and that's um, on either side of this bend, uh, there's all the kind of day trippy places where little villages there's a cool train um that's called the children's railway and it's run by kids from and it still is it was during world war ii i think that these children ran the train of course i don't even know if that's the true story but i like children labor (laughs) (laughs) ashley loves when children cry and she loves children labor Makes for great pictures. Um, <laughs> little dirty hands. Would you love to be a chimney sweep back in Mary Poppins' days? No. Yeah, you would. You no. Would no. No. Um, so, like Jason was saying, it was supposed to be a nice little two nights in and out, and plans change. We um, we got hit with a trifecta of weather <laughs> from other countries. Like, uh, weather just was terrible all through Europe. So that added to the problems with air travel. Uh, rolling strikes. <clears throat> um, we And this is true. Now that, now that we think about it, um, after the New Year's in Pafana, there's always these transit roll- strikes throughout Europe. Um, and it usually is for one day or a couple of days. Um, and they, it's almost like they, no one really wants to go back to work. It's like, let's get <laughs> one holidays, more. We need a three-day we weekend. We need a one more three-day weekend before we really get to it. They'll do it again right, usually not in the peak summer season, but like right before summer starts, you'll see train strikes and, and one day like uh, toll booth strike, like weird stuff. Well, So what happened was right before we were getting ready to go to the um, comedy show, the we check our email, whatever, and oh, – Jesus Christ. There is, we get an email that our flight's been canceled, just straight up. We were supposed to return home on a different airline and transfer through Germany. And boom, boom, two emails back to back, both flights canceled. And we're like, what? <laughs> like, what do you mean canceled? What do you mean canceled? So we, <clears throat> so we get on, <laughs> so we get on to their little app thing and okay, so there's oh, a, not, it's not just like get on. No, it was all clogged up. The part, that's the hard The great part. part about these little airlines is you can go to Budapest. For, I think we literally paid 15 For, yeah. euros to get there because mm-hmm. we're not going to check a bag. We're only two days. The bad part is they're tiny little airlines. So it's not like it's Lufthansa where when things go wrong, well, they have huge call centers yeah, and things like that. They, they got their act together. You get what you pay for, kind of. You roll the dice. We rolled snake eyes. So um, they cancel our our. our our flights and uh, the the call center is just not like connected. They're just jammed, jammed up. And the um, app to because you could do it all via the app, of course, is just spotty at best. It's just kind of no, you will see a page and then nothing, nothing, nothing. So we're still working. Or you find on your it. flight, but you can't confirm it. Yeah. So I'm on the phone. Jason's on the app. We're pouring more wine, <laughs> and then all of a sudden he's able to confirm it. Sweet. We've got tickets now. Instead of going through Dusseldorf, we're heading through Frankfurt, but we're still coming home. Um, oh. No, we found out we had to come home the next day. The next there day, was no, no flights the that. day we were supposed to leave. Because, like Jason said, smaller airports, smaller... Um, strikes. 
no, well, the strikes too, but not like you could just get um, oh, an air I, a flight from Budapest back to Bologna. Yeah, no, that they only were they were they were striking at only the bigger airports in Germany. in Germany. So if you yeah, if we had a Lufthansa flight, you could have flown through whatever and gotten back. To, you could have flown all the way to France or whatever, and then got, it would have been a day, but you could have gotten back that day. But not only that, it's that if we had taken like the Wizz Air, which was direct from. Bologna to Budapest, they only offer that two days a week. Yes, so we couldn't have, um, yeah, come back till Sunday. Anyway, two more times, two more emails. We end up getting redirected another handful of times, and (laughs) finally coming through Munich. And as we're talking to the people to get this flight, also she's telling us on the phone, uh, Italy's preparing to strike tomorrow. I have the, um, we've got you on your next flight. We've got you secured supposedly, but just to let you know, they are supposed to strike. It has been confirmed. So to recap strike in, in Germany on Thursday, couldn't go through Germany. We were stuck for another day. Then the next day, Friday, Germany's opened back up, but now our destination, Italy is going on strike. She's like, we're going to try to push you through. We'll see. And so we don't know when we land in Germany, are we even, we might be stuck here. Is Italy closed? Oh, by the skin of our teeth. We ran through that airport. Our flight was still confirmed. They were boarding. It was like, oh my God. I was actually getting ready to want to stay in Munich for the night and eat um, brats and beers. I was planning my meal. So what happened? Italy only went on strike in the major airports from 1 to 5 p.m. in the afternoon. I don't know why you strike for four hours. You want a long lunch. I don't understand. But we were the last flight coming in. As we were walking through the baggage and out through security into the main uh, arrivals hall, the, uh, we, intercom. We are, yeah, we are sorry to inform you. We, the airport is closed due to strikes from the air traffic controllers. <laughs> we were like, because we thought, wait, I don't understand. When we first landed, there's still some stuff going on, but it looks quiet. And sure enough, as soon as we looked up and they had made that announcement, all of the um, the screens for the uh, departures just went red. Went red. <laughs> we could not believe we landed in time. So it comes to find out talking to people, and yeah, I guess it's true that they do this this time of year, and we just got stuck in it. We got host, but we were lucky. <laughs> but next week is, I believe next week, France has had a whole different, like they've had the yellow vest people, and but they're doing it, I believe, next week. And I did see another thing that Lufthansa was going to strike again um, in Germany on the 16th of January. Excellent. Yes. So I'm not sure what's going I mean. <laughs> well, it's different parts of the There you go. Parts. That's so a good point to be made. The one in Germany wasn't the airlines. It was the baggage handlers and ground crew. So what, and then the one here in Italy had nothing to do with Italian airlines, it was their traffic controllers. So and, and, ev- that I think everyone gets a day. Exactly. But it also makes you not want to be that mad at the airline. They're trying their best. This isn't their thing. But ooh, it was crazy. So we finally made it back safe and sound. And we knew Gaji must have known what was going on because uh, he hadn't been blowing us up on our phone. Because we no. thought, I can't believe he's not d- demanding where our location is. But... <laughs> We are home, back down our sweet little valley road, and um, like Jason said, like we were saying earlier, getting ready for the sausages and salamis, and yeah, settling in for the rest of winter. 
We are planning in this. We've just announced a couple dates for our wood oven workshop. And this was one of the um, kind of biggest successes from last year. So many people in the last few years have bought wood ovens or pizza ovens and really only stick to making pizza. And I hate to say it, but not great pizza. <laughs> they like to say, we know what we're doing. So we th- this is one of my favorite ones that we do because it's really utilizing the oven at so much more of what it's made for than just firing it up to make pizza and shutting it down. So Jay, explain what we do. Um, this, we, we use the oven how it was intended. Um, like Ashley was saying, people refer to this as a pizza oven and that's not really correct. It's a forno alenia. It's a wood oven and you can make pizza in this. You can make cakes in this. You can make, it can do anything that a regular conventional oven can do. And that's kind of what we do. Um, back in the day, you wouldn't fire this thing up just to make breads and pizza, you would utilize all the energy from the five different or four different cooking temperatures. Because um, think about how much energy it takes to light this up. And to, to keep it going. To heat it up yeah. and keep it going. So um, we've broken it. We break up the, the course into two days and we do a couple of few different dishes in each of the temperature zones. So in the high heat, um, of course, we do the pizza. We do... Um, uh, different kind of uh, antipasti um, that are done at the very, very high heat, roasting some peppers, some lemons, uh, uh, different things that that when the oven's getting to its maximum temperature or just uh, come, starting to come down um, to that's utilize. That's at what, about what temperature normally? Oh, shoot. That's at about um, 400 degrees centigrade, seven something Fahrenheit. Okay, screaming. Screaming hot. Um, and then and then from and then the the major thing we do in that temperature, of course, is the pizza. And from that we do the dough, we do how to stretch the pizza, the sauce, and um your main goal in that is to learn how to really stretch a pizza by hand. Um medium high heat. As the oven starts to cool down, we can do uh different things like roasts, uh roasting uh potatoes, doing a roast beef. Um, this one it sounds so simple because it's like, oh I guess I throw a roast beef in. That you're able, the idea that you're able to um, not manipulate the heat, but maintain the heat or regulate the heat to perfectly cook a roast beef medium rare is a really beautiful thing. (laughs) Well, that's the thing about this oven is um, think of it as a giant ocean liner, right? You and you have to go. No, listen. If you wait until you're right on top of the iceberg to try to steer away, you're too late. You're going to hit it. So the whole idea of this oven is to stay ahead of it and anticipate what it's going to do and read the oven, make the changes because what you, if you add wood or don't add wood now, that's going to affect what's going to happen in 30 minutes, not really what's going to happen in five minutes. Okay. Um, this is excellent. Good analogy. <laughs> um, so if it, it, that's really what this whole mm-hmm. class, this whole idea is, is to how to read the oven and how to how to um, know when to either add wood, pull the coals out, some tips and tricks for um, watching the hot spots or how you have to um, uh, diffuse heat in some some instances. Ways to read the temperature. Ways to read the temperature, whether it's manually by feel <laughs> or, or technology by, by the pistol. But what does that really do? You know... What are we really reading at the, mm-hmm. and when we take a, a pistol, you know, infrared thermometer? Is that really the information we want to get? Um, that's what's really interesting about this oven. It's not easier. It's not more convenient at all. 
Um, but it's really cool and interesting. And if you have a bunch of people around and everyone has a beer in their hands on a Sunday, it's a really fun to sit there and, and, and muck with it and, and, and utilize <clears throat> every stage of it. So, yeah, roast beef and potatoes. If you can roast, a, if you can do a medium rare roast beef in a wood oven, you can you can use this thing. Medium <laughs> heat baking. Um, we're gonna bake a chocolate walnut cake, one of the most traditional little uh, kind of um, with coffee kind of cake. Again, if you can bake a cake, you can use this the oven. The crazy thing is that it doesn't taste like it doesn't taste smoky. You know. Uh, no, it doesn't taste smoky, but it definitely, no, it doesn't taste like, um, smoked meat or, no. or, or fire, but it definitely has a certain, um, it's definitely different from cooking, different from cooking in the gas oven. Absolutely. True. And I think the chocolate complements any of that heat, but it doesn't, yeah, it's really, that, it's always, that's always a crowd pleaser to like, oh, a chocolate cake. <laughs> um, and, and then coming into the low heat, we do over, um, this is where you do your slow cooking. So uh, confit, like uh, different pieces of meat under fat or um, the asobuco or the, the really like slow. Like the spezzatino yeah, or the um, um, paposa. The paposa, a really slow cooked uh, meats that you can, at the end, pile the coals around or when the or just close the door and let it go overnight so you're really utilizing all the energy that you're putting in we're trying to get it all back out through different cooking methods and we eat a lot in this workshop yeah it's a lot of food (laughs) a lot of food. So if anyone wants to join us, it's going to be July 3rd through 6th and September 4th the through 7th. first one sold out, yeah. Uh, last year they sold out. So um, there's only a couple spots left open for the first one, and which I guess is actually 4th of July weekend, a good weekend to fire up the wood oven. And um, if you need to want to find any of the details for this, latavolamarche.com, L-A-T-A-V-O-L-A-M-A-R-C-H-E. You can shoot us an email at info at latavolamarche. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you know it, at latavolamarche. Or check out our trips, um, the photos from Budapest at Ashley Bartner. Jay, anything else? Um, no. What are, we do, what are we getting into this week? We are... Whew, we talked about doing some oil... The, the oil... The sample... Soil samples. Yep. Um, we've sausage got, making and... We got to run over the hill. You already trimmed the hedges. I need to take some new photos of the apartments. Yeah. I'm... Uh, and we got to move... We got to make hay while the sun shines. We got a nice day out today. I got to... Uh, we got to look around and see what outside cleanup we can do exactly since it isn't too cold it's a good day to move wood and do any of those projects all right thank you very much for downloading and listening we really appreciate it as ashley gave you where to find us where to reach us thank you very much done have a good one